and welcome to another episode of Actors Inspiration with Amber Wegner. And today, y'all, I'm pumped because on the other line, I have an Emmy-honored casting director, an author, a coach and mentor, an astrologer, but all around an amazing, outstanding, and dynamic woman, Bonnie Gillespie. Welcome to the show. Yay! Thank you for having me, Amber. I love you. I love you too. I'm so happy to have this time with you. I know you're so busy and I have so many things to pack into such a short time. So let's get right to it. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Let's yeah. do it, girlfriend. Okay. So self-management for actors, the book is how I originally found you and changed my life in 2013. Like it completely re-registered my brain as far as how this business works. So you've done so much before that since then. And now I'm curious about how self-management for actors came into play and how it has evolved your career into so many diverse things. And now you are doing the astrologer's uh, daughter. Can you just give a little timeline about your journey in this amazing career that you have cultivated? Absolutely. Let me let me try to do the shortest version possible, uh, which is <laughs> good luck. I yeah, I know, right? I I actually the older I get, the easier it gets to be brief about yeah. some of the moments I thought were a really big deal in the past. Uh, honestly, um, uh, yeah, I I came to LA as an actor. And I had uh, two degrees in journalism, and that was my secret. One of the survival jobs that I got uh, of many, because I knew as a working actor, I was going to need to have a lot of little disposable jobs that I didn't care about, that I could drop, that someone could pick up a shift, whatever, so that I could be extremely flexible for all the auditions I was going to get once I got to L.A., of course. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, one of the survival jobs that I had was at backstage and I was a floater temp, which meant when someone was out, they would say, can you cover a desk? And if I were available, I covered a desk, kind of like substitute teaching. And one of the days that I was there, I was asked to write a blurb. Basically, the editor came over and said, the person who usually sits here writes this thing. Can you write this thing? And he gave me some bullet points and told me a word count. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I wrote it and turned it in. And he came back over to the desk and was holding up this piece of paper where he had printed it out. And he said, um, what, wh what is this? And I said, well, it's what, it's the thing. It's what you said you needed, you know, with all the, the things. And, then, <laughs> and he said, no, 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 no. It's perfect mm. and fast who are you? What's your background? And I was like, no, I can't let a major publication know that I have two journalism degrees. That's not what I'm looking for here. Cause like, I can <laughs> feel the golden handcuffs coming out. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah. So he offered me a job and I said no. And he offered me a better job and I said no again. And we went back and forth on this. And ultimately I was offered a freelance column going and interviewing casting directors. And mm -hmm. so this is in 1999. So there's no live tweeting auditions. There's mm -hmm. no even DVD behind the scenes extras about what's going on in the audition room. The only way you know what happens in a casting is to get invited in and no one's talking about how to get invited in. Um, you know, the, the business of acting class in college is here's how to format a resume and then you're done. Uh -huh. So yeah. Okay. So um, I'm like, I love this job as an actor. What a great opportunity to go get in front of all the casting directors who won't see me uh, if I'm showing up with a headshot. But if I show up with a, a micro cassette recorder, they're happy to invite me in. They started asking me, you know, do you want to sit in on sessions? Do you want to listen as we talk with producers about the actors we just saw? And I'm like, oh my God, this is gold. And over time, people would write into the column with, okay, Bon, you said, 
this casting director wants a demo reel that's this long and this one wants one that's that long. What's the rule? And I was like, oh, we want a rule. We don't want to know what each individual casting director says of the hundreds that I've interviewed. You actually want like what is the guiding principle for each of the things that you have to make a decision about as an actor. Mm -hmm. And so I I wrote that book and that's that's self-management for actors first published in 2003. And it's now in its fourth edition, sixth printing. Wow. Uh, It's a, yeah, it's a textbook at colleges and universities all over the world. I've traveled the world teaching it to people uh, at, at colleges, at acting studios, at unions, at just private events, whatever. Um, And I'm, I, my favorite is when I hear from someone that they read my book in high school. Because I'm like, can you imagine if you read self-management for actors before you even chose a major in college? Mm. Wow. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to to get to where we are now with it, I started doing private coaching as a part of being the author of this book. Like all these questions would come in to my column and I would answer the questions. And if I didn't know the answer, I would go interview more casting directors until I saw a pattern. And then when I saw a pattern, I would write about it. And um, over time, people would write in and say, do you ever like let people take you out to lunch to pick your brain? And later (laughs) I learned that's called coaching and you should get paid for that. But uh, at first you could get a coaching session from me for the price of a 101 chopped salad at the 101 Mm -hmm. coffee shop. Yeah. And um, that was fun. I did that from 2003. uh, Well, I still coach people today, but the way uh, self-management for actors evolved into work that started getting a little more woo was my my coaching clients that started asking me questions about timing. And, you know, when, when's the best time for me to submit this cover letter to this casting office or to this talent agent that I'm hoping to sign with. And I would go, well, you want to go with me? And I would take a look at their astrology and I would take a look at the numerology of the day that, or the range of days that they were choosing among. And we would just kind of rig it based on astro weather. And the clients that kept doing the best were the ones who were accessing this extra bonus coaching superpower of astrology. And so now in addition to, of course, all the self-management for actors work, I've got this astrologer's daughter thing uh, back up. It's back up and running, actually, because I was uh, as a child, obviously, as the name the astrologer's daughter would indicate, uh, I was the the child of an astro. I am the child of an astrologer who has passed on, but uh, I I used to do numerology and little readings for people when I was in in like high school and college. It just is like little, just a little hobby. But now not so much. Now it's another business. Who knew? I love it, and and I love how you continue to <laughs> evolve. It's not like you ever stop doing a certain thing. It's like the onion keeps unraveling, and you're able to explore new, or I want to call it a rose, like the petals keep, you know, changing, but the rose and the essence of it stays the same because the core of it is you. And what you have to offer is so valuable. And I love how you lace in astrology with casting and acting and people's work because I started with an astrologer and and I can't wait to like work with you and what you're doing. But I started working with one again in 2013. And when she told me looking at my chart that I wasn't going to have the bulk of my success until my fifties, that might've sent somebody else running. It excited me beyond compare. I was like, I have time to do this. So I am a firm believer in astrology and I love that you are doing it. 
I'm having so much fun with it because it, it just really evolved organically the same way that the column, you, you know, went from being an actor's survival job floater temp thing into my life's work. You know, within six months of writing the column, I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, acting was the bait to get me to LA so that I could get to this because unlocking this, I can help people have success far beyond what I was ever going to be capable of as an actor. And that is a high, like none I've ever known. Like at that point, I was like, I'd had success as an actor in Atlanta, but moving to LA, you know, you, the changing years that, that one does when you move to a different market. Uh, but I, as I'm looking at these people that I get to work with who walk these red carpets and hold up golden, shiny things and, and say, thank you to me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is so cool. Like, that's amazing to me. And, and getting to do that and having that be so organically um, evolved out of what was an actor survival job is exactly how casting came into my world. It just evolved naturally. One of the casting directors I had interviewed said, I think you'd be good at this. Do you want to work with me on this next show? Mm -hmm. And then that there that went. And same thing with the astrologer's daughter is it, it, people can tell your woo by the language you use. Mm -hmm. And over time, enough questions were asked where I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little more overt about this, but it's, yeah, it's all just me being Bonnie. Really? Yes. Yeah. And that <laughs> you being Bonnie and the enoughness, right? The thing yeah. that you talk about and stress so often is the enoughness. And for anybody listening, I do have a, a lot of younger people that are listening because I am part of the um, Young Actors Academy. And so I have a lot of young actors that are coming up, but I also have a lot of actors that have been in the business for a while and are maybe feeling that frustration of why am I not where I wanted to be by now? What do you have to say about enoughness and what, wh how has that that really assisted you in your journey? So to me, enoughness is knowing that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Yes. It's, it's really just a resting state of calm and peace and serenity. Um, it is uh, not needing outer circumstances to be a certain way in order to find your peace. Mm. Mm. That's huge. That is huge. Not needing the outer circumstances to be a certain way so that you can find inner peace. I think that is brilliant because so many times we lean our hat on, you know, if I get this job or when I get this job or when I get this car or when I get married or when I move into the house, then I'll be happy. And it's like, no, no, yep. no, 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 no. Stop. Pause. Er. <laughs> be happy now. And the rest will continue to evolve. Life. Yeah, I think we I think we get it backwards when we say, you know, I'll be happy when and all the things you just said, as well as I'll when I lose 10 pounds, when I move to this city, when I finally dump this person, like, you know, whatever, like, we have so many yeah. different things that that complete that sentence, the way it actually works is success and all the trappings of it. Uh, success is the byproduct of living in alignment with a sense of enoughness mm. that is is unshakable mm -hmm. because when we get centered when we get aligned when we get on our path of our own happy whatever that looks like then all the things that we've been chasing can show up for us mm. yes yes it's so true and and really 
knowing that and understanding that and having trust, you know, in ourselves that, that we are enough and that we do have something valuable to offer. And, you know, you, you said something that, you know, uh, I resonated with because I have always said that acting is the vehicle to get me to where it is that I'm supposed to be going. I don't ever want to not act. Like I enjoy that, that, you know, that absolutely brings me joy, but never in a million years was this podcast on the radar and suddenly it, it evolved into something. So, you know, just trusting that more is coming and we don't necessarily know what that is, right? It's like, trust the process. I think we get really caught up in how it's going to happen. And honestly, that takes so much of the magic out of the universe. And there's a lot I don't understand how happens. Like, I don't get out of bed worrying that gravity is going to, like, not do what it's supposed to do because I haven't calculated how it works. I just get out of bed and I don't float away. So Mm -hmm. I know, you know, Mm -hmm. there are just certain things that work. And I believe that there's a certain trust in what my journey is and what the the nooks and crannies are about and the twists and turns that it takes, the people I'm going to meet. I I just trust that I am going to encounter the right opportunities at the right time. And when it doesn't feel right, it means that I'm getting some kind of information that this is something I'm forcing. And that's when I check with my ego Mm -hmm. and I go, you know, because enoughness is high self-esteem, but low ego. Mm. Yeah. Because self-esteem means I can walk into a casting office and be told you're to fill in the blank, whatever thing that I already worry about myself. And, you know, as an actor, I heard all of those and still go, that's not my mess. That's that person's mess. And that's not why I didn't get the job or why. And that certainly doesn't mean I'll never make it. That's one person's opinion. There are so many people involved in show business, that that one person can't be the be all end all. Same with reviews. You you can't read your reviews and cry every time you get a bad review because you train your brain to look at that negative in it. Same way. If you get excited about every good review, yes. I'm not saying don't celebrate, but if you rely on that to be buoyed and to feel like you're enough, uh, you're training your brain to also feel completely devastated by the bad reviews. And so there's just a little bit of brain training around knowing I'm going to be okay, no matter what happens. And uh, having that self-esteem that can handle the, just the knocks of being a human, because walking around in a skin suit, we're going to have things that ding us, but knowing what your ding things are is kind of a part of the work. I love that. I love walking around in a skin suit. That's amazing. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I relate to that you just said is my thought is always this too shall pass. So when I Mm -hmm. am at the top and I book something and I'm feeling the love, I feel the excitement and I go, okay, this is amazing. This too shall pass. Let's see what's next. You know, and it's like when I'm down in the dumps, you know, I have to be reminded sometimes, but it's like, okay, this too shall pass. I was just recently up at the top, like it, cause it's always evolving. It's always cyclical. And again, it like you talk about, it aligns with the stars. Some things are just completely out of our control. (laughs) Well, so much is. Retrograde. Right. So much is out of our control in show business. And, you know, part of the work of self-management for actors is finding places where we do have more control than we've been led to believe. Yes. And then making sure that that stuff is on lock, which is, you know, make sure that right now, if I were to look at your website, it does 
everything it needs to do to tell me who you are as a storyteller. If I look at your demo reel, it shows me not what you've done in the past, but where you're headed mm -hmm. as a storyteller. And if there's anything that's off kilter, you've got it within your control to improve on that situation. And that's the stuff I want actors focused on rather than, oh, if I could just get an agent, then everything will be great. No, once you get an agent, you've just got someone who can close the deal, hopefully at a better rate than you could. But yeah. you got to go ahead and start getting in the doors on your own. And that momentum is what an agent then picks up on and takes from there to the next tier. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to say that I would be completely remiss if I did not acknowledge a post that you put up uh, very recently and acknowledge you and congratulate you on five years of sobriety because we too have that in common. And yeah. I'm very curious about, because I know how my life, like within three or four weeks of me putting down the drink, I remembered, oh yeah, I came here to be an actor. Like yeah. the dust lifted. And so I'm curious for you, what uh, has, you know, changed and obviously you've, you know, gone down different journeys with your career, but what else has lifted for you since that, since we are out of our own way, like what has come up for you? That was a biggie for me. I, I probably spent, I want to say almost 18 months before I finally chose sobriety. I, I spent 18 months trying to negotiate moderation and what, mm. you know, maybe there's a secret amount that I can drink and still, you know, love my life. And, and it eventually got to a point where I was like, no, there, there's no amount that I can drink and continue to love my life the way drinking is, is, is creating it and, and holding it. And I see now looking back that I was dealing with what's called an upper limit problem. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, it's a fantastic book where the upshot of it is we have this cap on success just uh, from a, a brain wiring perspective. There is a certain amount of success that we believe we are allowed to have, even if we say the things like, oh, no, I see myself holding an Oscar. I see myself sitting between two oak trees talking to Oprah at her Santa Barbara ranch or whatever our things are. Mm -hmm. um, we say it, but we've got this evolutionarily wired in a level of success that we believe is possible for us. And we will create upper limit problems to hold ourselves to that cap. And this is why we self-sabotage. This is why uh, right before some big opportunity, we'll get sick or there'll be a, a flat and we don't have enough time to get the car fixed or get the AAA called or whatever. And you may go, well, flat tire, how is that an upper limit problem? And it's all the things that are lined up before that to make sure that there's abundant time to say yes to the opportunities as they come. And what I noticed happening once I really chose sobriety and, and chose myself, honestly, yes. um, and said, I'm going to stop being one of the obstacles that's in my way mm -hmm. in my life. I, I noticed, oh my God, I can be so much wealthier than I ever thought. I can be so much more fit than I ever thought. I can be so much more in love in my healthy relationship than I thought. I can be so much more present for my clients and for myself than I thought. Uh, and I can also find out where I'm not a nice person. There are times mm. that I was like, oh, I'm not a nice person because I drink. And I'm like, no, sometimes you're just not a nice person. Like that's, <laughs> that's just very real sometimes. But getting really clear on who I am unfiltered 
really made a difference in how I show up in the world. And um, it, it, it made me fully present in a way that has been confronting. I'm not going to lie. Sure. There are times that it is really challenging to be as fully present uh, as sobriety makes me. Mm -hmm. um, but what an honor to get to have the opportunity to be fully present for this life, because what yes. a great life it is. Yes. Oh, you couldn't have said it more beautifully. And so, you know, again, congratulations on celebrating you and allowing the the core of the essence of this amazing woman to just shine through with no filter. You know, like Thank we, you. Get, we get all of you. Well, and Amber, I have to tell you, you are one of my sober role models. So I, I have to thank you because one of the things that I did when I chose sobriety was I made a list of people I know and knew at the time and know now who are sober and living a sober life in a way that I can look to when I need reminders that it can be done. And you had been in my life long enough when I chose sobriety that I knew this about you and I put you on my list. And mm. I just want to make sure that you know that I really appreciate your leadership just in choosing your own sobriety. You have helped me with mine. Oh, thank you. I so receive that. And uh, my heart feels full uh, in, in every word that you speak. So thank you for that. And I'm glad that I could be an example of sobriety because it has absolutely changed my life. You know, it yeah, has absolutely yeah. changed my, it has given me the life that I have now because I did not have this life. I did not, even though I was married, I did not have the relationship that I have now with my husband and he gets the best of me, not what was left of me. And that, you know, is, you know, go yeah, ahead. let me, let me say something on that because I, one of the things that I have said that shocks people, but I, I kind of want to talk this over with you because maybe we share this mm -hmm. is I, I realized in choosing sobriety Technically, I was risking my marriage mm -hmm. because my husband said yes to a partner who drank. Mm -hmm. And now I was choosing sobriety, which meant no escape mm -hmm. from the realness of it all. And I, that meant I was changing who I am. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to look at that and say, what if in choosing sobriety, I lose my marriage? Mm -hmm. And of course, I, all it did was deepen our relationship. And yes, there've been challenges, but oh my God, there've been so many beautiful and blissful opportunities to learn one another on a completely new level because I'm here for it. But did you have any fears around, uh, I, this is technically changing who I am uh, yeah. in, in this long-term relationship? Yeah. Well, what I realized is if I had continued going the way that I was, I was going to lose my relationship because mm. I was being dishonest about the way that I drank. You know, I hid, ah. I hid the amount that I was drinking and trying to like, you know, part of me got this buzz and this thrill off of being more you know, high than anybody thought I was like, I thought I was pulling the wool over or something. And so towards the end, it got to the point where I was like, I am, I, I, he asked me once about my drinking and I lied. And it's the only time I had ever lied to my husband. And I was wow. like that next morning, that was it. I was like, I will yeah. not be in a dishonest relationship. And I have been so dishonest without having to be asked. And so once I told him, like, I was like, I was like, we need to have a talk. And it's going to get real. And I said, I'm going to walk you around and show you all my hiding places. And I said, but when this is done, I need you to like, I don't know what's next. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't even know what's happening to me right now. And so what I realized that happened to me is I got very childlike. I got very like, 
who am I? What am I doing? Can you still hold my hand? Like it was really like I got to grow up again in this new way of being. Um, and so, you know, I get a little teary eyed thinking about it, but, um, but the gift of it and the gift of sobriety is that he gets all of me, you know, not yeah. the version of me that I kept trying to portray and things like intimacy and things like that were brand new. It was all yes. brand new because he got this wild, crazy thing. And I was like, wait, I don't know if I'm that anymore, you yes. know? So it's all fascinating who we become when we let go of that image or that, not even the image, but the 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 pacifier you know yeah the the I think it's a buffer to to all the feelings that are are inconvenient and painful and hard and then also it's a buffer to all the feelings that are really wonderful and that's that's the part that I I think is so important to underscore is that it buffers all the feelings and so when we yeah have to show I like I had to be fully present for all the things that have happened in the past few years yes I would have loved to just throw back a drink to not have to feel quite as much but I also get to be fully present for blissful things that I would have dulled uh, yes. in my drinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to, you know, we we're talking about our spouses and you and I are both, both very blessed in having, you know, loving partners that yeah. support us, that we support them. We're wonderful partners. And Keith, um, who, you know, I've mentioned in, in a podcast prior because at one of uh, the workshop, the self-management for actors workshops that I attended, I remember he nailed me when I talked about a mutual friend we have. And he's like, uh, uh-uh, there's a difference between friends and colleagues. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, that was just eye-opening. And one of those things that I always put in my back pocket, I was like, okay, I can have relationships with people, but not everybody's my friend. And so yeah. I can't, you know, that was just a moment of wise wisdom that I got from your husband and you two just balance each other, each other out so nicely. And, and, you know, I just, want to thank you both for the gift that you're giving this community of actors and creatives because you're a team you work really really well together what is that like to work with your husband so closely you know it's funny because you know we we started out 20 years ago we met in april of 20 uh, sorry 2001 before we Uh said years that way (laughs) yep yep yep. yeah we met we met in april of 2001 and um you know at first we had a lot of pushback from people saying, you know, Bonnie, he's using you, uh, tell him to get a job. Uh, he's, uh, he's now, his son is now an adult, but at the time he had a young child. And so technically I was paying his child support, mm-hmm. you know, because he was, he was working for me. Yes. He was helping me build my empire. And uh, a lot of people gave a side eye to that and looked at that as, you know, uh, something's not right about this. He needs to go out and and pull his weight. You're paying all the bills. You know, there just was a lot of um, like labeling about what a relationship, uh, a heteronormative relationship is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, here we are, male, female, it should look this way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no one would ever say these things to him if I were staying at home and he were bringing in money and like the fact that it's brought up because I have this job, I go out and cast 
something and make tens of thousands of dollars on this one film and then come back and we make that money stretch for whatever number of months that we can live off it. Mm -hmm. And then, then we publish a book, you know, but meanwhile, he's playing Dungeons and Dragons on his computer for <laughs> lots of hours of lots of days. You know, none of that should be an issue except that it was an issue to other people. Yeah. And at first I let that get to me. And then over time I realized, oh, I'm, I'm just ahead of a curve that's coming. And now it's so funny when I see people in entrepreneurial spaces saying, I retired my husband. Now he works for me. I'm like, oh wait, now this thing that we've been doing forever is the sexy thing that all female entrepreneurs with, uh, with male husbands or, or partners are wanting to do is, you know, get their husband working for them. I'm like, I've had that all along. It's a secret weapon. Um, <laughs> You know, so one of the things that is true about working with with a partner uh, all the time is you have to have spaces that are uniquely yours. Yes. And, you know, for me, that's involved everything from, you know, my pole fitness life to astrology, because while Keith is woo enough, he's not into it like I am. And he's got D&D &D, and he's got things that he does like with his fitness that are completely separate from anything that I would want to do. And we do have to have the those places where we can go have our separate lives a little bit because we're together 20 hours a day yeah. and have been for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of togetherness. And, um, it, you know, there are times when we have to say, Hey, we're going to have a business conversation. Okay. Change gears. Can we have like a personal conversation? You know, it's, it, it involves a little bit of compartmentalization, but more than anything, we really trust the other to do what's within the zone of genius. Going back to Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. Yep. The zone of genius is this thing that you are best at in the world. And there are a lot of things we're great at. There are plenty of things we're good at, but there are only a few things that we're genius at as mm. humans. And, and mm. we're lucky if there are, you know, two, three, four things that we're genius at. Mm -hmm. When you're genius level at something, you need to only be doing that stuff and let everything else be done by someone else in your world. And so what Keith and I are really good at doing is understanding oh, that's your zone of genius. You take that ball and run with it. And I don't try to do stuff that he's better at. And mm -hmm. he doesn't try to do stuff that I'm better at. Because why would we work outside our zone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And being able to know that about yourself and then know that about your partner and be willing to play that game. Oh, you're playing such a big game at life. You know, it, right. it, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's leverage, you know, do what you're good at and leave the rest to the, to somebody else that's good at it. That's how, that's but the again, key to success. Go again, ahead. Yes. And this takes us back to uh, high self-esteem, low ego, yes. right? Because we have to have the self-esteem enough to say, I'm genius at that and mm -hmm. not be like, you know, chest thumpy about it, but just call it what it is. But we also have to have low ego around you're better at this than I am. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm bad at something be just because he's better at it. It means he's better. He's more practiced at it. He's better at whatever it is. Let him do that. There's certain things behind the scenes that he does, like stepping up at that, that self-management for actors retreat and saying friends versus colleagues. That's his talk. That's yeah. his, like, that's his Ted talk. He's great yeah. at that. Yeah. And he does it better than I ever could. That doesn't mean I can't, but why would I step up and try to be the one to say it? just because no, 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 wait, it's a self-management 
management for actors concept. So let me be the one to do it. No, there's plenty of room for lots of experts within this world. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Um, something you said made me think about uh, as, as you were talking, circling back to like the golden handcuffs or whatever, because it's interesting. So I, I grew up in the restaurant and hotel industry. That's I managed mm-hmm. restaurants and hotels for many years. And what was interesting is stepping away from something that you're really good at to pursue something that you're not so sure you're good at yet. You know, that was like a big risk because I call the restaurant industry, the Hotel California, because it keeps it, it. You can leave, but it keeps asking you to come back, you know, and yeah. to finally say, yes, I'm really good at managing people. I'm really great at managing staff. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to. That's not what I want to do with my days anymore. I want to be good at something else and find my enoughness in that. Um, so, yeah, that just kind of, you know, put a little thought in my brain. Let me let me yes and that because the the thing that happens with a lot of showbiz professionals, a lot of storytellers, is we do get in jobs growing up or in our early adulthood uh, where we're quickly promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know about you, but every job, every job job I've ever had, I am immediately promoted and then promoted again and yep. then promoted again and then I have to run or else I'm going to yep. run the place. Okay. Yep. What I know about people who really make it in showbiz is we're leaders. Mm. Leaders are always going to get moved to the head of the class in everything we do because we can't not. It's just who we are. And that's why we have to take that leap of faith that we are going to be able to do just as well in show business as we've done in every other more linear profession we've ever attempted. Yeah. But because show business is not linear, it's harder to trust. And that's Ah. why I love bringing astrology into it because just like you were given that gift in 2013 of an astrologer saying, oh, you're going to hit in your fifties. It gave you an exhale of cool. That means I can experiment and learn who I want to be in the time between now and then so that I'm ready Mm -hmm. for that biggest stage that I'm going to step up on when I'm in that decade, you know, there's a freedom to the level of trust that comes from that kind of knowing uh, I'm held. And, Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I love about crossing all of these and blending these conversations is because we really can start to trust that I can leave the, the hospitality industry and move into something that maybe I don't see the road as clearly, but I know I'm always taken care of and I always rise because that's what I do. Ah, preach girlfriend, preach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. So I want to honor your time because I know you were extremely busy and you have an appointment after this. So I will close with two quick questions and Um, They are being that we have, like I mentioned, a younger audience um, and, you know, many actors that are just in this place of, of, you know, what's next. I would ask you to close with two things. One, what would be some words of inspiration you can give to our young or stagnant listener? And two, how can people find you and get in touch with all these amazing things that you're doing? Okay. I'll, let me give the, the second one first because that one's easy and I can just rattle that off. BonnieGillespie.com is going to be where everything is. Uh, pretty much all I do in the world is linked from there somehow. There's a great start page there. Uh, there's a fantastic search engine called Google that loves me. If you ever (laughs) have a question in the world about acting or even astrology at this point, you can just pop pop in 
Bonnie Gillespie plus whatever the thing is that you're curious about. And I probably wrote about it because I had a weekly column for actors for more than a decade and a half. And mm -hmm. every single one of those columns is archived and searchable on my website. And I also live stream. So I have a bunch of stuff up at YouTube. I'm on the Instagram and the Twitters and the, you know, whatever, like it's, it's all there. Uh, so just Google loves me, take, take use of that. So that, that's the easy part with that. Um, the nugget that I would give to anyone who's feeling stagnant, and I, I'm going to separate this, the people starting out and people stagnant, because okay. it's a slightly different take on the, the same bit of advice, but just from a different POV. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling stagnant, the work is remembering why you got into it. Mm. Uh, Simon Sinek is an author and TED Talk speaker who has a, a talk called Start With Why. And his, his theory is one I believe wholeheartedly that when we remember our big why, or in the world of self-management for actors, I call it your true north. When you remember your true north, when you remember what it is that got you into this, that that vision you have for yourself as a storyteller that moment that in your career retrospective, they're going to be showing it uh, as like one of the best moments of your career, like that, that story that you were born to tell. Uh, when you remember why that voice was given to you and, and why you feel driven to pursue this career, um, not because you want it, not because of all the trappings of fame and all the, the, the perks, but because of the storytelling, why? Mm -hmm. That is going to get you through those dips and knowing that dips are normal mm -hmm. and having a practice for just staying healthy, staying enough, what, you know, just enoughness, it's like brushing your teeth. You got to do it every day because it, it is something that requires that energetic hygiene and whatever that is for you, whether that's uh, a religious practice or yoga or meetings or a friend group that you text with. Um, or, or getting out into nature, whatever it is, there's got to be something that allows you to reset and remember the bigger why so that you can get back to the micro of running a, a career in show business, which can sometimes be a little hard. Mm. For those starting out, I would say you are going to be at times overwhelmed by the amount of advice that the rest of the world has for you about how things work. And here is what I know for sure. Unless somebody has the IMDB of your dreams, they are only telling you what works for them or more likely what they heard works and it didn't work for them at all, but they are just passing along information that sounds good. Mm -hmm. You got to go out and experiment. You've got to try life on. You have to do enough research to know that you're making a calculated risk and you sometimes are going to take the risk and it's not going to pay off. Mm. Absolutely. There are going to be times that you'll do things and then just go, oh, oh my God, I signed with the worst agent. I lost money on that. I'm never going to get that footage. Uh, yes, we're, we're going to get burned. It all happens. But to be able to do it from a place of I did my research and then I made my decision, not based on what I heard someone else saying I have to do. You got to do social media. You got to have this kind of reel. You got to go to this kind of conservatory. No, you don't. The evidence mm -hmm. is out there. Someone every minute of every day is making it 
who's not even on Instagram, mm -hmm. who never went to conservatory, who doesn't even have a demo reel. So whatever the rules are that you're being told, there aren't rules that are the official, here's how to make it in Hollywood rules. If there were, that's what self-management practice would be written about. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's that data never lies. And so do the research so that you can feel well-equipped in the data without getting overwhelmed. Thank people for their advice because they mean well, but find out for yourself and know that the experience is going to teach you more than anything else. And always, always, always have fun because yes. if you're not having fun, why do it? Yes. Oh, Bonnie, you are such a gem to this universe. Thank you so much for being you, for sharing you, for sharing your time with not only me, but the listeners, because everything you said is so valuable. I love you and I appreciate you so much, Bonnie. Amber, I love you and adore you and treasure you and cannot wait until I see you again and get to squeeze you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all your listeners. This has been a blast. Amazing. I close every episode by saying, if nobody else tells you today, I believe in you. Go create some miracles and always believe that you can. Bonnie, we will talk soon and I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>